Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 49. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. This week we're talking about the 2014 Danish horror film, When Animals Dream. This movie was directed by Jonas Alexander Arnby, I assume, and written by Rasmus Birch. <laughs> I love how you tried so hard. Hard with the first one, then you're like, it's Erasmus. This movie is Danish, as we said, and premiered mm-hmm. at Cannes in 2014, which is interesting for a horror film. It is a very artist, like it's an art horror film, I would say. Yeah, uh, it's it's slow and deliberate. Deliberate is definitely a word I would use. I don't know that it's particularly artistic, except that it's subtle. Yeah, well, it's it's a very quiet movie, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's both unusual in horror and would make for like an art horror film that would it would be at con. I can picture that. We should also start out as we always do with a recommendation of whether or not people should watch this. I don't think so. It's not mm-hmm. bad. I it's enjoyed not bad. it. I yeah, I did too. Uh, it's really actually I think a genre question. Yeah, which is that if you love like. Uh, monster movies like I did compare it to American Werewolf in London and Ginger Snaps Um, and if you like those kinds of movies I would say this is a movie that you would also like because it has the same themes right of like well we should also say it's a werewolf transformation movie yes Uh, and so it has the same themes of like um, young girls growing up and kind of puberty in between childhood and adulthood being pushed out of society, those kinds of things are very present in this movie. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that more towards Ginger Snaps than American Werewolf in London, but like it's the same. It has the same kinds of, I don't know. It has the same kind of being ostracized from society themes as a lot of these other kind of werewolf movies. I will say, I think that personally, I hold Ginger Snaps up as kind of the gold standard of like a a monster movie that is also about femininity and like female puberty Mm -hmm. in a way that most films only like hint at it is explicitly about like menstruation like yes uh in a a very real way in a um i think ginger stuff not not to get on ginger because i think that it does a similar thing in when animals dream that it's not vilifying the girls absolutely but it is still talking about how girls can be villainous yeah which is an interesting and I, and positive di- like dichotomy right of like and I appreciate that in this for yes. sure that it also our protagonist Marie played by Sonia Sewell who has never acted in another movie ever again okay <laughs> uh, what she goes through both as like being terrifying and also she we completely identify with absolutely what she's like her struggle mm-hmm. the movie that it reminded me of most is a movie from last year called Raw. By Julia Ducourneau. It was so much like Raw. A French film uh, that I think a lot of people know about. It's also on Netflix. If you don't know about it, I would recommend that. Um, It's about cannibalism, so be ready for that. But that, to me, was a more effective way of telling a story about a young girl coming into her own, reckoning with a monstrous aspect of her bloodline, like of her family, Mm -hmm. and learning... Uh, her place in the world with this new information. I think that movie, which is also very subtle at times and very bold at others, is a lot more effective in doing that. It's obviously, it's not about werewolf transformation, but the whole time, honestly, we're going to talk about this movie and the entire time we watched this, all I could think about was how much I liked Raw better. 
Yeah, I don't know even know that I liked Raw better, though. I feel like you are a big Raw fan. Yes. I didn't like Raw as much. Um, it was a little bit too all over the place for me. Um, whereas I think that this movie was very... I'll say one note, and I, and I think that normally that would be bad, and I think in this movie it works. Um, it really doesn't... It's like totally consistent. Totally so consistent. Uh, from beginning to end, it's just like this little town and all of the things that happen. I mean, I have, I have a lot to say about this, the way that this movie is done, so we can probably wait on that. But uh, I will say from my perspective, I found this very sil- I also found it very similar to Raw, but I didn't find one far superior than the other. I think they were doing very similar things and in very similar ways. So we're going to get into the movie now. Watch it if what we're describing sounds like your jam. But also probably watch Raw and Ginger Snaps and American Werewolf London. <laughs> I think Ginger Snaps and American Werewolf are much better than these movies. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are masterpieces. Sure. <laughs> uh, we have done an episode on American Werewolf in London, so... Go listen to that, too. We have pretty much summed up, like, the gist of the plot, which is that it is about Marie, who is a teenager. She's 16, yeah. Getting a job at a fish factory. Mm-hmm. Finding out that she is a werewolf. She's not bitten, like in most other werewolf movies. She inherits it, um, which I find also very interesting. And she doesn't transform with the full moon. It's... Emotion-based. Yeah, it's not only explained, but it's like agitation. Both like excitation and uh, fear Fear. Mm -hmm. that cause her to transform. And I found the the transformation very interesting. She gets like a little rash, uh, like near her breast... That's where it, uh, the movie opens with her, like... At the doctor. At the doctor getting this checked out. It actually, it's interesting. The doctor is very... It's it's off-putting because he's inspecting her like she's an animal. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. That was very... He's looking at her teeth like she's a horse. It was a very specific choice. Uh, I didn't really know this was a werewolf movie going in. Mm-hmm. So, or was at least I wasn't thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So the parallel of her being treated like an animal by the doctor, who we later find out knows about this he's like treated her mother for years he's their like family Mm -hmm. doctor helping them keep this under wraps uh i didn't even appreciate that but i guess like with the the later knowledge uh of course this doctor who is invested in keeping this like suppressed Mm -hmm. is trying to get ahead of the transformation and trying to nip it in the bud yep um, and, and is it, already seeing her as, as an, an animal. animal. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then, I, I, you know, as as the movie goes on, you see her. She just gets a little bit hairier on her back, and you see that that uh, the rash is growing hair itself. Um, but how? And her eyes are turning too. There's some kind of eye. Her eyes will get very light blue and then very yellow, and so there's a lot of like very there's her a lot pupils, of very subtle transformation. Her pupils become very like. Um focused yes her transformation is very subtle and we never really see her as a full like wolf quote-unquote wolf the way that we see um american werewolf in london specifically well like, not just that, i think the like the trope of the wolfman and the howling mm-hmm. and like when we think of werewolves in film it's pretty much never what we see in this movie mm-hmm. which i really appreciated yep. right because she she does grow like much hairier she does end up looking by the end of the movie quote-unquote like non-human mm-hmm. in a in a again, quote-unquote, monstrous way. Right. But it is not, like, a full beast No. We don't really even see her get, like, claws, do we? Or fangs. Or fangs. She just gets a lot of hairier. Her face becomes, like, a little distorted. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she, like, she retains her size. Yeah. Like, she continues to look... She doesn't have a tail. She doesn't have a tail. She She doesn't have paws. Yeah. But she also, like, you know, rips people apart. 
yes. uh, with her teeth. Yes. So clearly there is something more And there's more something going on with her fingers. She, You see that they're all like bloody and swollen. swollen. So clearly we, we, there's a lot of things we see happening without ever seeing the like full kind of transformation. But we can see that all these things are happening to her body. Yeah. And again, it's it's a slow burn. So we're skipping over a lot of the way that this movie spends its real estate, which mm-hmm. is lingering shots of her looking in the mirror or at her job at the fish factory. Well, there's, there's a lot of like drama at her job. Um, she's getting hazed. She, get, she gets hazed. Because she's new. There's boys that like her that she doesn't like and a boy that she does like, um, whose name is Daniel. And the two of them are kind of like flirting with each other, getting to that point. Um, but there is underlying in this movie the townspeople, it's a very small little town, and it's kind of like everybody seems to work at this fish factory, you know? Basically. Uh, and her mother is not popular. Well, one, also, her mother is in a wheelchair, and she's nonverbal. She's and catatonic, yeah. She's completely catatonic. Uh, the father and uh, Marie spend most of their time when she's taking not at work care taking her. care of her, um, walking her around, doing all of these things. Um, and we get the feeling later on that, like, the town knows that something is up with Marie's mother. Yeah. And they've always known. And they let this kind of happen. They let this go on because Marie's mother is catatonic and presumably, and is, not presumably, we see this, is being given drugs by mm-hmm. the doctor that will keep that can keep her in submission. And so there is also that interesting element of, like, a, a lot of times these, like, werewolf things beca- are secrets, right? And in this movie, like... It's a weird open secret. Well, yeah, it's an open secret. I think that like it's still a source of shame, quote unquote. Absolutely. The, you actually bring up an interesting point, and I'm sorry to listeners who want a more linear explanation of this plot. <laughs> this is not a very this movie doesn't really lend itself to that. No. Um you brought up something that I, I hadn't really thought about, which is do you think that the reason that the mother is catatonic is because of the drugs she's been given? Are they keeping her sedate and in a wheelchair? That's what I thought. Okay. It was because it wasn't think? it wasn't ter- well because clearly they're not powerful enough. There's a point at which so plot. Uh, <laughs> the father, who's played by Lars Mickelson, Mads Mickelson's older brother, and whose name is Thor, by the way. The character's name is Thor. His name is Thor. They say it one time and I was like, You can't just drop that his name is Thor. <laughs> uh, Thor and the doctor find out and uh, find out that she is that starting Marie to is, show symptoms. Yeah. And say, okay, you got to take this medication. And Marie's like, no, what? Like, don't try to... I'm not doing that. Do yeah. that. Um, and then they, like, wake her up in the middle of the night and, like, hold her down or are trying to inject her with the serum. The that, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the... Her mother, like, wolfs out and, like, uh, attacks, attacks the, the doctor. doctor. And kills him. And kills him. But, again, this is a woman we have, like, not really seen move for most of this movie. Mm-hmm. Can, in this moment of defense for her daughter, spring to life That's what I thought it was. Form. That's what I thought it was. Was was a... Um, uh, Adrenaline, like... Yeah, a mother, like, protecting her young, kind of... Like they animalistic. Cars. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because um, I didn't... The other option, right, would be that she is keeping herself... She's purposefully, like, disabling her... Pretending to be disabled so that she doesn't scare the town. Well, they want to round her up and kill her. They do. They're, they are, oh my God, this town is just waiting for Marie's mother to make a mistake. They are so ready. The second this doctor dies and they, he, he's missing for like uh, literally a day, like probably less than a day. Yeah. They're like, the doctor didn't come home. Let, let us in to see your wife. 
these three guys, so they're all, they all work at the fish factory. Um, and one of them's in, a woman. One of them's a woman. Yeah. She, they come in and uh, examine Marie's mother. They look at her nails and her teeth and very similar looking like at her like she's an animal. But they um, find no evidence. Yeah, no. Thor's got it all cleaned up. Um, but then they, they still come back the next day and murder her in the bathtub. Like they, they do. They drown her. They do that. And then, then this becomes a little bit of like a revenge plot, right? Like it doesn't take the typical revenge plot because it's not like Marie suits herself up and goes after all of them, but it's definitely, uh, she's full of rage. She's so angry. I think that the point at which, and it, it, it sucks to say this, the point at which her mother dies is the point at which this movie takes off for me. Absolutely. Because from then on, it's very meandering and like, there's not that much going on beneath the surface. I don't think in terms of like, she's negotiating these relationships. She's finding this out about herself. And then now that she has a, a drive, a mission, um, which is like, she knows that this town has killed her mother and that mm-hmm. she wants to and avenge that they, her. And that they want her dead too. Probably. Yeah. She does so much. Like she, she's emboldened. The way that she carries herself is very different. She walks into work and she's like smirking at everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actress does a great job of. Oh, like, and she's hairy at that point too. Yeah. Like she's got. You can see that she's got hair on her chest and on her arms and, and on, on the side face. of her face. And she's wearing it so proudly. There's a point in which we see that um, the father is shaving the mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he shaves her back, like presumably maybe like every night or every week or something, and. Uh, even though the mother barely ever sees anybody, there's still that feeling of like, I have to make her look like everybody else. And the fact that Marie walks into that fish factory, like wearing her, you know, werewolfness proudly is very, I found that very interesting. I think the actress does a great job of portraying Marie as a ticking time bomb in the last Mm -hmm. half hour or so of this movie. At some point they end up deciding they're going to attack her. She gets chased in the night by the jerk at work uh, mm-hmm. on a motorcycle. She ends up attacking and killing him. Uh, her boyfriend, Daniel, ends up being like, okay, they know they're coming for you. We gotta get out of here. We gotta go. We're gonna go get on a boat and we're gonna sail away. Mm-hmm. Um, meet me here, I guess, tonight or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she goes home. She says goodbye to her dad. She's like, I gotta I gotta get out of here. Uh-huh. He's pretty understanding. Yeah, for... he kind of gives her his blessing. He's been really afraid of her. There's a point where she tries to leave the house, and he's like, if you leave the house like this, uh, I cannot help you anymore. And she leaves. Uh, and so, uh, at, but at this point, he's like, you can go and kind of do your own thing. Like, if you want to leave this town, that's probably the, what's best for you. Which I don't know why they didn't just do before. Like, that seems like the best option is just to get out of this little town that obviously hates you. Like, clearly. Like, I don't know... I agree. I I don't understand why they stay here, other than it's difficult to, like, move the mother, I think, maybe. If she is, like, really catatonic mm-hmm. and not suppressing it voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Even then. I mean, they're not very wealthy, either. I think it's the other thing, like... True. And like, again, like, the the presumption, right, is that they've lived their, their entire lives. Of like, course. this is where the mom and dad grew up and met each other and fell in love and all that. So the bad the bad fishermen are waiting for her where she's supposed to meet Daniel and they abduct her and they take her out on a boat. Presumably to drop her in the ocean, right? That's what my thought was. They don't really talk about it that much. No. There is very little talking in this movie. Yeah. They don't really talk very much. It's mostly silent. A lot of lot of uh furtive glances. Yes. 
Daniel, I don't really understand what happens with, but Daniel doesn't betray her. I was worried that Daniel had betrayed her, mm -hmm. but he doesn't. A different guy does, though. Felix. The other guy that yeah. she kind of liked. Yeah. Um, the good guy. He was the good guy, and he ended up being bad. Well, Daniel was also the good guy. She slept with Daniel earlier. Yes, but Felix was the one who defended her against Ebsen or whatever his name Ebsen, was. Ebsen, yeah. Um, who was the guy she eventually killed. And so we kind of thought Felix was good, but he betrayed her. It sucks. Daniel sneaks onto their boat somehow. He, like, catches up with them, I guess. Yeah, it's I think not... he's on his own little boat, maybe. Yeah. Somehow. I don't know. And boards their boat and proceeds to do nothing but wander around. <laughs> looking for her. Looking for her. And then we see the... I have a lot of thoughts on this last sequence because it all takes place on this, like, I guess fishing boat. It's like, um, mm -hmm. it's not like a, like a little shanty canoe. No, it's like a, it's, an it's industrial a boat. big boat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with like multiple decks and it's got like mm -hmm. cranes and levers and stuff. It's the people who abducted her running in fear from her as she transforms more and more than we've ever seen before mm -hmm. and ends up killing all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and the end of the movie is that her and Daniel are fine and they're going to sail away. Yeah. Can I talk about this, this boat sequence? Is sure. That... All right. Yeah. yeah. I, I th can I say one thing about it first? What I found most interesting is that we don't see her transformation really. Yeah. We When she's having sex with Daniel, we see her growing hair on her back, like as you know, her back is kind of moving. Mm -hmm. Um, we see that she's getting a little bit hairier, but as for kind of the quote-unquote final transformation, where she's really fully hairy in her face and her eyes are completely yellow, we never see that. We never see that happen. We just flash where she is and all of a sudden she just is that way, yeah. which is also very unique for this kind of story. I think that the there are very few sequences in When Animals Dream that are shot like a horror movie, like traditional horror film mm -hmm. edits and tropes and, and the like. And this whole boat sequence is, and I think that makes it feel even more out of place in particular, because I don't like what it's doing. It's giving us, there's one particular guy. He's like a big beardy guy, uh, whose perspective we see as he's afraid and he's wandering on the boat and he's checking rooms to see if she's in there. Mm -hmm. And I don't give a shit about that guy being scared. I wanted to see that whole sequence from her perspective. Like as a hunter. As her hunting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my, as a viewer, my investment is in her revenge, not in, oh no, there's a monster who's going to kill us. Yeah. And I felt like it took this shift on the boat of like, okay, so now she's a monster and now that we're going to show the people who are afraid of her. And I can see maybe an argument for like that being the way to empower her. But for me, it felt like, You just pulled me away from Marie, who's the only person I care about in this movie. Yep. And I wanted to see her, like, hulk out and do cool werewolf shit. And instead, it's like a horror movie. Like she, I agree. Yeah. I actually think it's it's actually... What's worse about it is that it's a boring horror movie. Yeah. Because what... <laughs> even even if it was... I don't necessarily dislike the fact that we're fun with their perspective. I understand why you do. Um, but it, that didn't bother me. It was more that every scene played out the same way, which is that someone would be like, oh no, where is she? And then she would just jump on them and rip out their throat, and that was it. Um, and this happened, like, th four times. Yeah. And so at that point, like, that's less of whose perspective we're seeing, and it's more like, can we see some more interesting... Maybe she jumps on him from up high. Maybe she's <laughs> hiding in something and she jumps out at him. It was just all the same. Well, to, to be sympathetic, this is very clearly a very low-budget film. Yeah. So they can't probably show a lot of gore the way that, like... I didn't want gore. I wanted uh, her hunting in different ways. Right, but I think that we that could be achieved by showing us her perspective. Absolutely. And... We both want the same thing. Yeah. It's just that, like, I wanted it to be more about, like, a almost like a fight choreography element. Yeah, like, no, just I Just do yeah. different 
kinds of attacking versus you're talking about kind of like a filming element from the yeah. like, choreography, uh, the even cinematography, even narratively, and like the the way that the the shots um, hold up the narrative. It made me feel very dissatisfied that. Again, maybe this is maybe this is just me that I felt like in the last half hour of the movie, this actress is suddenly doing a lot more. Mm-hmm. There's a sequence where she's she's pissed off at her dad for not like doing enough to protect her mom, and she just like bites down on like a a wine glass and oh. just like starts chewing on the glass to like eating the glass to yeah. intimidate him uh, to be like I am this creature and like there's nothing you can do to suppress that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, like. That dynamic is really interesting. It would be nice if anyone talked about anything in this movie. Yeah. Um, she does a lot of power moves. She does that at the funeral, too. Yeah. She's got bloody, really gross, bloody fingernails. And they're like we said, they're all swollen at the funeral. And she realizes that she's looking at them and she's like, hmm, how can I use this to my advantage? Again, not spoken. But this is all yeah. in her head. Uh, and she grabs a coffee pot from a waitress and starts going around going, does anybody want coffee? Does anybody want coffee? And pouring coffee cups so people can see her hands very, like, clearly. And her dad is like, they don't want coffee, they don't want coffee. And she's like, no, no, does anyone... like?" And it was just, she's doing these very specific power moves that I found very interesting. The actress is doing a great job. I fully agree. And so in this, like, this climactic moment of, okay, these are the people who have ostracized my family, who literally murdered my mother, who Mm -hmm. brought me on this boat to kill me, uh, there's no, like, catharsis. No. Of seeing her do this because of the way it's shot, the way that it, it doesn't give us her interiority, her like checking around corners, her hiding, yep. her planning into this, and it it really bums me out. I agree with you because I was really invested in her. I really like this character, and the actress is great. She's doing a lot with very little dialogue. Absolutely. I don't know. I think this movie could have used a lot more of her interiority. It doesn't. If it's gonna take the slow burn approach that it does, it doesn't need that much more dialogue. But it, I think it needed more moments of her thinking about and figuring stuff out. Mm -hmm. Whereas I felt it was very much, we're watching her do that. We're not with her as she does that. Absolutely. Not to, not to keep comparing it to raw. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like I'm in the head of that character as she's confused, as she's scared, as she's empowered. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this doesn't, that doesn't accomplish anything. Even other werewolf movies. I feel like, I mean, go back to American werewolf. Yeah. I am with him. Oh, we I, are, like, yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. And it's it's a large part the the script and the actor's portrayal. Mm-hmm. But, like, I I feel his confusion and horror. And fear, yeah. And I, I lost that in the climax of this movie, and it bums me out. I agree. Well, it's almost that, like, she does become an animal, right? Mm-hmm. We don't hear her talk again once she is an animal. She doesn't talk in the last scene, does no. she? No. Daniel just holds her. So, like, she's... It's this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy of everyone's treated her like an animal yeah. the whole movie, and she really does become one in the end. And to a point where she's, we almost, we, we lose all sense of her as being a human. Definitely. By the end of this movie. We also, you, we brought it up earlier, the, the sort of creature design, but the werewolf that she turns into, which we see only clearly at the end, uh, Daniel comes up to her and hugs her and is like, mm-hmm. it's over. Holding her. She's like, she's blonde. So yeah, there's she's, a little blonde werewolf. She's growing blonde hair from her face, and her eyes are very effectively scary. It's clearly all practical effects. Love it. Um, and it like it looks cool and different. And I think this movie definitely deserves credit for showing us a version of a werewolf who a has nothing to do with the full moon. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem to really have anything to do with a curse. It, as far as it, it no, seems genetic. It's, it's hereditary. Yeah, yeah, which fascinating. Love it. 
And the design is not like, it's not really that animalistic or, or beast-like. Mm-hmm. It's just like a hairier, a little bit scarier because of her eyes, mm-hmm. like version of a human. Yeah. I think that relates a lot to the puberty element, right? Like it, uh, it it's so um, genetic and hormonal, right? Like it's it's based on when, how she's feeling, uh, which is very different for... And again... The, the literalism of this and something like Ginger Snaps of now you're growing hair that yes. you didn't have before, yes. right? And then, like, you're feeling feelings. That he you even before. says to her, what the doctor says to her is, you're going to start growing a lot of hair and you're going to start feeling erratic and you're going to start expressing your emotions in different ways, which literally Being a teenager. could just be what a doctor says to a teenager. Yeah. Like, there's he didn't say anything beastly in that. And of course, I always love that metaphor of like girls going through puberty become quote unquote dangerous yeah. and that society views them suddenly like, as dangerous. As scary, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm very, very into that. Absolutely. Me too. I, I love that narrative in, I think horror is such a good and right place to explore that. Absolutely. It is. Because it's something that has done young women injustice for a long time. Absolutely. And I think that like, even, even the tropes of, for example, the final girl being the one to stand up and defeat the, mm-hmm. the big bad, um, also play into that, like, the empowering... Because it's usually, like, a hot teenage girl, right? right. Who's able to do this. And it, I think it's about what levels they can go to yes, to accomplish something. what if the young woman is the monster? What yeah. if she is the beast? And, yeah. like, I always love that there's so much in history of the woman taking care of the beast, right? It is beauty and the beast. Yeah. Is that the woman has to be the one who is beautiful and... Uh, she's the one who tames the beast. She's the one who like brings it back to humanity because we women are caregivers and they blah blah blah. blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the idea of the woman being the beast um, is always something that I absolutely, you know, find such a home in. My favorite thing about this movie, genuinely, and this was what I was thinking the entire time, is that this movie uh, has a tediousness to it that I I think that's normally a. a, a bad word yeah um but in this it felt so perfect because everything we've we've alluded to this already but everything is like it's almost boring to watch because they do the same things over over and over and over over. they you know they bathe the mother they walk her around she goes to work this fish factory work is incredibly tedious we see over and over daniel bringing in the fish and then they cut the fish and then they throw it in the bucket and then they throw it away and she's changing into her overalls and her little hat and it's just over and over and over again and so there's a lot of tediousness and repetition in this movie. And so what ends up happening with her werewolf transformation is that there's still this weird tediousness to it. It takes forever. It's yeah. so slow. And I felt like repetition played such a role because the mother and the father, you know, they fell in love. Mm-hmm. This The mother was expressing these werewolf symptoms and the father kind of was forced then to take care of her and... Um, shut them down and make sure she didn't hurt anybody. And by the end, her and Daniel are sort of setting off on that same mission, right? That like, they're going to go off together. Daniel is going to be kind of in charge of making sure that she doesn't hurt anybody. And whether that means by restraining her like her father did to her mother or letting her run free and kill people, like it all still has that same cyclical like, it's all just going to happen right. over and over and over again. It's going to be the same story. And I found that... I found it very deliberate. We said deliberate in the beginning mm-hmm. of this episode. I think that that element to it, that, like, just 
over and over and over and over. And, and the same thing of it going down through the genes. If they have a child, right. it's going to happen to their child. And so all of that, I, I found that to be very uh, we- weirdly gripping in its tediousness. I didn't find it, like, gripping, but I do think it works. I agree with you that mm-hmm. it, it feels deliberate and it feels... And we're sort of transitioning here into, let's, like, wrap up how we feel about this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it works. What they're going for works. I think so, too. I don't know that the end result of this film is the m- optimal way to do it. I don't know that it's sure. the most engaging. It's so certainly not the most engaging. Even the, like, thematic resonance of making this repetition play out in mm-hmm. the way that the movie is, the story is told... Mm-hmm doesn't necessarily like vibe for you yeah it's just not necessarily what i would want to see mm-hmm. even if it i maybe this this director and writer's vision was executed i would believe that i think there are other things that do the quotidian well, the like absolutely the mundanity of and this movie is not better. it's not the best i just think that like it's it's doing exactly what it's trying to do, and it wasn't ever trying to do that much. I agree. It's literally reaching its exact apex of what it was exactly trying to do. It's a good movie. I don't. I don't. I I'm it. not upset. I watched it, but you know. And it's really short. It's an hour twenty-four. Yeah. That's like, it's you're not really wasting your time. No. It's not like this is two and a half hours of boring, boring, boring. It all moves pretty quickly. It's not the whaling. No. Thank God. <laughs> Couldn't do that again. So our next episode will be our 50th, which is crazy to Hooray! think about. 50 episodes. It's crazy. And we have some ideas of something exciting that we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to roll the roulette this week. We're not. Um, it might take us a little bit longer to put this together. Yeah. Two weeks is a very... We'll try. Optimistic estimate. <laughs> but, uh, so this one might might be a little delayed, mm-hmm. but uh, hopefully it'll be worth it. Yep. That's our, our hopes, at least. Fingers crossed. Uh, so stay tuned for that. It should be exciting. And we're excited that we've done 50 episodes. It's crazy to, like, look back on, like, everything we've, mm-hmm. we've done. We've done, yeah. We've watched 50 movies. Most of them bad. I would love to see if I could calculate a percentage of what number of them have been bad. Well, let's do that next episode. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about the percentages of good and bad. In the meantime, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends about the podcast. Mm -hmm. Get more people listening to people talk about horror. We love it. And thank you, as always, to Wes Craven for... I mentioned the story several times before, but for making me... I think 2005 or 2006 film Cursed, which is a PG-13 werewolf movie with Christina Ricci that is not very good. But <laughs> it, it introduced U.S. Craven, right? It is the first horror movie I saw. Mm-hmm. And I thought I didn't like horror for a very long time because I did not like Cursed. <laughs> but it's a werewolf story, and here we have a long tradition of werewolf stories. I don't know if Cursed is in the werewolf canon. I don't know that it's relevant enough. Probably. But thank you, Wes Craven, for contributing to the werewolf compendium. Yeah, even though it wasn't that good. <laughs> I don't know. I should revisit it. I should, yeah, I should yeah, watch yeah. it again. Now that I, I'm an appreciator of Wes Craven, I should rewatch it. Definitely. Until next time, everybody. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.
our protagonist, Sonia, who... Her, Sonia? Her name is Marie. <laughs> the actress's name is Sonia. 